Welcome to the Three Strands Church Sermon Podcast. Thank you for joining us. It is our hope and prayer that you will experience God's blessing in your life through our ministry. At Three Strands Church, our goal is to create a culture of redemption where people are free to experience the truth and grace of Jesus Christ. There's a story that some of you may have heard about a Sunday school teacher. Um, She's in her class and she's telling the kids this story and she's describing a character and she says, this character is small and it's gray and it runs all along the ground and it collects acorns and it lives in a tree and it has a bushy tail. What is it? And there's a little boy that shouts out. He like can't contain his excitement. Like, it sounds like a squirrel, but we're in church, so I know the answer is Jesus. And he's all proud of himself for this. And um, today we are here in church, and we are going to be hearing a story about Jesus. Um, And sometimes when we're in church and we're we're in just a spiritual place, we we think that there are the quote-unquote right answers. Um, And sometimes when we think there are right answers, but our circumstances in life don't match up to those, um, our faith can really be challenged. There might be things like we were talking about and praying about ill relatives that are just having a really tough time. There might be financial situations, job loss, just relationships that are really hard. And we can question, like, where is this God? Like, I know the answer is Jesus, but does he really care? Does he really understand my pain? Sometimes it can feel like, kind of like the video, like God is all business, like he doesn't really care. And so that's one of my favorite videos or movies. I looked it up, and it's like 20 years old. I did not realize that that movie was that old. Um, You've got mail. But that's kind of the whole idea. There's this guy, Joe Fox, I think is his name, and he is this big business guy opening all these chain bookstores, and he's knocking Kathleen Kelly's little bookstore out of business, and, and he tells her, it's not business, or it is business, it's not personal. And she's really offended by that statement. And I loved her response to that. She asked, or she told him, whatever anything else is, it ought to begin by being personal. And I love that statement, like just, there's just such an idea of something being personal, being really connected, like meaning something to us. And I think that a lot of Christians, look for that in church. A lot of people that don't know Jesus think that maybe church and maybe Jesus has the answer and kind of without speaking out loud, that's what we're looking for. So our story today at first glance might seem kind of like a story where Jesus is all business. But as we look at it, I hope that we will see um, what his heart is really about. Um, Back in January, several of us got to participate in a challenge that we did here at church. It was called the 30 for 30 challenge. And we challenged everybody to read their Bible for 10 minutes a day, to pray for 10 minutes a day, and then to read a book that would really challenge or grow your faith for 10 minutes a day. And so as we were going through reading different parts of the Bible, um, on January 11th, we read in John 11. And it was a story that was familiar to me, but there was a line in that story that I had never noticed before. Um, It seemed just like a really intimate invitation from Jesus, and it really caught my attention. So um, I've kind of been looking over this story for the past couple months, just trying to see what Jesus might have for us in this story. First, it's always good to have a little bit of context when when we look at stories in the Bible. So 
The book of John was written by one of the disciples named John, um, and he knew Jesus really well. Um, a lot of the book of John isn't in the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, and it's just personal conversations Jesus had with his disciples and stories to really show and prove that Jesus was the Messiah and he really was the Son of God. Right before our story happens in John 11, if you read John 10, you'll see that Jesus was um, in the temple and there was kind of this argument going on about whether or not he was really the Messiah or really the Son of God. And Jesus was trying to explain to the people, he's like, I'm doing these miracles and I'm not doing them on my own. I'm doing them by the power of God. And then he said that he and God were the same. And this made lots of people very angry. And so they tried to arrest him. They tried to stone him. And so Jesus and his disciples escaped from Jerusalem and they went across the Jordan River near a place where he had been baptized by John the Baptist. And that's where we're gonna pick up today in John 11, verse one. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick, so the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God, so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So, although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, Let's go back to Judea. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, Only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. Then he said, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he is sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there, for now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let's go too, and die with Jesus. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died, but even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, Your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said. He will rise with everyone else when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I've always believed you're the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, The teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. 
Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, See how much he loved him? But some said, This man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded. Didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, Unwrap him and let him go. Many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen. So this is just an amazing story um, that we get to look at today. And I hope kind of hearing different voices would kind of put you there and give you a sense of what happened. Um, it's also a very long story, and so we're not going to take it apart like word by word. We're just going to look at a few things this morning. Um, as I was reading through this story, I noticed that there was one word that came up several times, and it's not a word we'd pay a lot of attention to. Um, before church started, we watched one of the Tim Hawkins clips about the power of no and him being Dr. No. And no is a really small word, but it, it has a lot of power. And in today's story, there was the word so. And it comes up several times in the story, just a little word, but there's a lot of meaning behind it. Um, it kind of gave me the idea of dominoes, like when you line up dominoes to make a pattern or design. I used to think that was so cool when I was a kid, and then you knock them over and they all fall. Like, that's what I'm looking at today in this story, is this word, so, and the role that it played here today. So the first domino that we're going to see of our so is in verse 3. So we have heard that Lazarus is sick, and because of this, so... Mary and Martha sent a message to Jesus telling him that his dear friend was very sick. And, like, they sent this message because it made sense. Like, that's the so. Their, their brother, his friend, was sick, and they believed that Jesus was able to heal him. So they were going to send this message to a man that they considered their friend who had the answer that they needed. They believed that he would come because of his close relationship with him. So quickly after this, we see the next so. Um, verse 4 tells us that as Jesus got this message, he recognized that this was an opportunity for God to get glory. And so, even though he loved Martha, and he loved Mary, and he loved Lazarus, did he, did he rush to them? 
if you're looking at the passage, no, like he stayed where he was. And he didn't just like hang around for a few minutes or a couple hours. He stayed away for two days. And that just seems kind of crazy to me. That seems very businesslike. Like, why would God do that if he really cared, if he's really their friend? Um, why would he do that? Like, it seems like there's not much less personal or less sympathetic than someone directly asking you for help and there being no response at all. And I don't know if you've been there. Um, I have just kind of flat on the floor begging God to fix a situation, to provide in a way that I know only he can, and there's only silence. I, I wondered when I read this story, it doesn't really say, if, if Lazarus knew, or maybe he even asked Martha and Mary to send a message to Jesus. So as he's laying there getting sicker and sicker, like, was he waiting for Jesus to show up, wondering if he would? When he took his last breath, did he question if he was really believing the right person? Was this man, Jesus, who claimed to be God, was he really God? And I wonder about Mary and Martha. Like, they sent this request. They believed he would come. How do you think they felt as they waited hours and days? He got more sick. He died. And then they buried him. Do you relate to the feelings they possibly felt? Probably angry. Maybe bitter. Maybe just really disappointed and hurt that the person they thought was their friend and who could have helped didn't come. I think it's important um, in our relationship with Jesus as we pursue him, sometimes it's easy to want him to be an all-powerful God when it's convenient for us. Um, we want him to come through and save the day, and there's, there's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes we, while wanting him to come through for us, we're not really trusting him. His love really is perfect. Like this, the, the few verses there before said, Jesus loved this family, but they probably weren't feeling very loved. If we are to trust God's love, we must also trust his plan. Is it possible that Jesus is leaving you right in the middle of your suffering for a reason? Is it possible it's for the glory of God? It's easy to read a story like this and read that Jesus loved them, but then read that he stayed and in our humanity say, well, he couldn't have really loved them. It was really just business to him. He was just concerned about God's glory. He wasn't concerned about them. The first so was connected to their request for help. They needed help desperately. And the second help was really connected to an opportunity, a plan for God to get glory. As we look closer at this story, we will see that the plan for glory is also a catalyst for transformation, a deeply personal and miraculous change in the lives of the people that Jesus loved. Now, in verses 8 through 19, this part of the story reminds us of the situation that we had talked about in John 10. Um, Jesus says, okay, guys, it's time. It's two days later. We're going to go save Lazarus. Um, and, and his disciples question him. They say, we're going to go right back to an area within a couple miles from where people were just trying to stone you. Um, they're trying to arrest you. Are, are we really going to risk our lives? And Jesus tells them yes. 
And I just think it's interesting, a few chapters later in John 15, Jesus is having a very personal conversation with his disciples, and he's talking about um, what, it, what it looks like to love each other. And he says that there's no greater love a person can give than to lay down their life for their friend. And really, Jesus was willing to do that. I don't know if Mary and Martha knew the circumstance that he and his disciples were facing, but by agreeing to go back, he was risking his life. We know from, from the previous verses that he wasn't, he wasn't going because he wasn't afraid. He was on mission. But in general, he was willing to do the greatest act of love by risking his life to go save his friend. Now, I also think, like, as Jesus was traveling back with his disciples to go to Bethany, they had no idea. They didn't know if, Jesus, or if Lazarus was alive or not. They had a conversation with Jesus finally because they're thinking, we're just going to go wake him up. And Jesus says, no, he's actually dead. And so the disciples have to be thinking, what is going on? And I just like to think about Jesus in, like, a different way, I guess. I think he probably had a smile on his face. Like, he knew what was coming. He knew Lazarus was dead, and he knew the crazy party that was going to happen when he brought Lazarus back. Um, and so those are things I just like to think about when I think about Jesus. And I don't know if any of you have ever been part of, like, a surprise like that. Like, last year we got invited to Abby's surprise 16th 80s theme birthday party, and um, it was meant to be a surprise. And I don't, I don't know um, how Abby was feeling before. I don't know if she thought everybody forgot about her. Um, sometimes it can feel that way, but the truth is that when people love us, they have plans in mind for us, and God definitely had plans for the people that he loved. So Jesus gets to Bethany, and they're told that Lazarus has actually been dead for four days. Um, there were a lot of people around to kind of comfort Mary and Martha. They had, they had traveled from Jerusalem, which was about two or three miles away. Um, and so Mar Martha and Mary get the message, Jesus is here. And Martha decides to go, and the verse actually says that Mary stayed. And that, that caught my attention because I don't know how familiar you, you are with Martha and Mary, but there's a story in Luke 10 about Mary and Martha and, like, I've always aspired to be the Mary in this story. Like, she's the one that was sitting at the feet of Jesus. I tend to be more like Martha, like, always busy, always having something to do. And I always think, man, if I could just be like Mary, content to listen and sit at the feet of Jesus. So it was interesting to me in this story that it was pointed out that while her sister Martha, the worker, ran to Jesus when she found out that he was coming, Mary stayed inside. I wonder, I just wonder the state of Mary's heart in John 11 here. Um, she chose to stay in her house, and I don't know if any of you have ever felt that way. Like, I've definitely felt that way. There have been times when I have been busy and distracted by what's going on, and I don't connect with Jesus. Um, there are times when I have been hurt about something going on, and I don't connect with Jesus. I almost blame him for what's going on. Um, I might feel just disappointed that he's not answering my prayer. And my guess is that possibly in her grief, Mary could not muster the will or the strength to go to Jesus. She was possibly hurt at his absence when she needed him the most. Have you been there too? Now in the next few verses, we see Mary's interaction, or Martha's interaction with Jesus in verses 21 through 27. We hear her grief and her hurt and then we hear Jesus make some promises to her. 
her faith is strengthened in him as the Messiah, and she declares him to be the son of God, which is interesting because that was exactly the debate just a few days earlier when he was in the temple in Jerusalem. So when Martha finishes talking with Jesus, she goes back to the house. And there's another interesting statement here that says, Martha called Mary away from the mourners. And I just thought that was interesting. Like, I wonder, did Mary really hear that Jesus was there? Or was she so surrounded by other people who were mourning and grieving with her that she didn't know God was present? I think we also need to be on guard sometimes against the people that we surround ourselves with when we're in pain and when we're hurting. Like, there's a whole, like, misery loves company idea. Um, But what we really need in those moments, like we seek the presence of people that we think will back up our feelings, but what we need is the presence of Jesus in those moments. And so Martha came to Mary, and she said the words. These are the words that got my attention back on January 11th when I read this um, for the first time this year. Um, She said, the teacher is here and wants to see you. And there was just something so personal about those words to me, like, Like, yes, they were hurt. He hadn't shown up, but he was here now, and he recognized that Mary didn't come to him, and so he sent an invitation back that said, I'm here, and I want to see you. Lisa Turkhurst is a well-known Christian author and speaker, and she's written a new devotional called Embraced, and one of the quotes from this says, God doesn't pull back from your sharp edges. He pulls you close. I think it's one thing to, like, engage and interact with somebody that's engaging and interacting with you, but another to pursue and seek out the person who's avoiding you. And so here we see our third so in the story in verse 29. So Mary immediately went to him. And I'm very thankful to say that, like, I've had those moments too. Like, I've shared the times when I've just been hurt and discouraged and kind of avoiding Jesus but there have also been that, those moments. Sometimes it's in the spoken word of a friend. Sometimes it's in reading scripture. Sometimes it's in a time of prayer. Sometimes it's listening to music. It can just be random things. And all of a sudden, I'm drawn to the heart of Jesus. And my heart is opened up to that. And I can finally run to him and fall at his feet. And that's what we see happening here. It's not, it's not a perfect faith, but we see Mary fall at the feet of Jesus. The fourth so quickly occurs in verse 41. Um, We talked about the group of mourners that was kind of hanging out with Mary and and trying to comfort her and just crying with her. And they thought when they saw Mary leave the house that she was going to her brother's grave. And so they all followed her. Um, And instead of going to the grave, they got to follow her to Jesus. And when Mary got there, she just fell at his feet. And you can probably hear just her desperation and her disappointment and her despair. If only you had been here, my brother would not have died. It's the exact same statement that her sister Martha had made. You see, these sisters believed in Jesus to a point. They believed that Jesus could heal, but they had no thought in their minds of the possibility of a resurrection. In verses 33 through 38, we see Jesus' response to all of this grieving and mourning. The passage actually says that he became angry and that he was deeply troubled in his spirit. But verse 35 is also a very familiar verse. It's known as the shortest verse in the Bible, and it simply says, Jesus wept. And we don't know from the context if that's, if that's weeping from just his sadness for the people that he loves or if it's weeping from the frustration of people who don't understand that God is always at work. 
but he had compassion and he did cry with them. So when Jesus arrives at Lazarus's tomb, he, he tells everybody, okay, it's time to roll the stone away. And Martha is not liking this at all because she knows that her brother has been in this tomb for four days and it's going to stink really bad. And this is our, um, our fifth opportunity to see the word so. Because Jesus asked the people and he asked Martha to kind of reach past their senses and to act in faith. And so the people rolled the stone away. Then Jesus prays out loud. He prays to God and not for his own benefit. It's our sixth and final so in the story, his prayer to God. He prayed out loud to God so that the people would know that he really was the Messiah that he and that God was really the one that was responsible for the miracle that was about to occur. At this point, Jesus tells Lazarus to come out. And a man who had been dead for four days walks out of the grave. Can you imagine being there? I, I, can't, I can't even imagine what that would be like. Just the looks on people's faces, like Jesus knew this was coming, and he showed his power to all of these people by telling a dead man to come back to life. Verse 45 tells us that many people believed in Jesus when they saw this happen. Jesus could have come just when Martha and Mary asked. He could have healed Lazarus before he died, and it would have been another miracle. Lazarus wouldn't have had to experience the pain and the fear leading up to his death. Mary and Martha would not have had to experience such personal loss. But Jesus knew the result of unshakable faith and the result of glory if he allowed an immense pain so that he could show his complete power. It wasn't just business. The transformation that caused the faith that day was ignited and has been told for thousands of years to come. Now, I don't know. I mean, I can't, if I had a story to tell of seeing somebody come back from the dead, I'd be telling people. And so I don't know how many of these people instantly ran out and started telling people, Lazarus rose from the dead. But we get a glimpse into the heart of one person that was there that day, and that is his sister Mary. In John 12, we see Jesus return to Bethany again, and the family throws a feast in his honor, and Lazarus is eating with Jesus, and Martha is back in her role of serving. And we see a change in Mary, um, where she is again at the feet of Jesus, but this time she is expressing like such a deep adoration and devotion to him. Verse 3 in chapter 12 says that, that she poured an expensive bottle of perfume all over Jesus' feet, and then she washed his feet with her hair. And it was just such an expression of surrender, of saying, like, you are worthy of everything, of my all. And, and I don't know if she was there before, if she was there when she sat at his, at his feet and listened to his teaching. She was certainly struggling with doubt and questions before Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead. Um, and it just makes me think of how God, like, really knows what we need. He knows what it's going to take to get us from curiosity to questioning and finally to the freedom that we have when we become followers of his. Now, when we were looking at this story, we kind of skimmed over a part that's one of my favorite parts of the story, and it's where I want to end today. Um, 
at the end of John 11, verse 25, Jesus says to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. And many of us here in the room have experienced the physical death of someone close to us. It's painful and life-changing to lose someone close to you. However, these verses give us an amazing hope, a peace that when we believe in Jesus and when those we have lost have believed in Jesus, they will go to heaven and we will get to see them someday. Some of you may know that, that David's mom passed away just two weeks ago. It doesn't feel possible that it's only been two weeks. Um, and there's, there's just a feeling of emptiness, like you just notice that she's not there to answer the phone when we call. And we just, we miss that. There, that was part of our routine. Um, and so there's just been a lot of sadness. But at the same time, because we're believers and because she was a believer, there's like a really unexplainable hope and peace that we've had for the last couple weeks. Like it was hard to let her go, but the pastor that spoke at her funeral just really challenged us. Like we know so little about heaven, but we would never ask for her to come back here. Like she is in heaven with Jesus and she has no more pain and no more sickness. And that's the hope that we have because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. We've also said repeatedly in the last couple weeks that we don't know how people make it without Jesus. And, and the truth is they, they really don't make it in healthy ways. There, there might be ways to cope, um, to medicate, to kind of numb. But we don't have to do any of those things because we have a hope that is really certain, a hope that is sure. Jesus promises that he is the resurrection and the life. As his followers today, you and I can experience him as the true and only source of life. In verse 26, Jesus stated, everyone who believes in me and who lives in me will never die. And he asked Martha this question, do you believe this? And she responded, yes, Lord. And I believe Jesus asked each of us this question as well. Do you believe this? For those of us that are believers, today's story reminds us of the personal nature and the care that Jesus has for us. If you're going through a season of doubt or a season of hardship that seems like they're never going to end, or if you question the love of God in the middle of your pain, I want to challenge you to put your hope in the God who may not always work the way you want him to work, and he may not always answer how and when you want him to answer. But he has ultimately redeemed your soul. He has conquered death for you and has an eternal home in heaven waiting for you, bought at the highest, most personal price possible, the death of his only son. And for those of us who question, what does it even mean to believe in Jesus. In Romans 3.23, we learn that we all sin. And Romans 6.23 tells us that the punishment for our sin is death. But as we heard today, that's not the final verdict. This verse goes on to say that we have the gift of eternal life because of Jesus Christ. He lived perfectly. He died undeservedly and rose from the dead victoriously so that he could make us right with God. The gift of eternal life is received when we believe in him. 
There are no exact words to express this belief and begin your journey of faith. Romans 10, 9, and 10 simply states, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, meaning that he's in charge of everything, including you, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. And we are promised in verse 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's not just business to God. It's a standing, very personal invitation to a life of abundance here on earth and unimaginable, indescribable life forever today in heaven and with our Savior. It is my privilege to tell you today, the teacher is here and he wants to see you. Will you tell someone after church today? Today is the day to believe. Today is the day to declare that Jesus is your Lord, to remember the hope that never fails. Are you ready to stop acting like you're just making business transactions with Jesus and finally make it personal? In a couple weeks, we will celebrate Easter and the resurrection of Jesus and the assurance and security that we have in knowing that we have the victory in life today and forever. It is my prayer today that we can all say with the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 55, and I imagine also with Mary from our story today, O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory?